Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Ray Allen Canine, it's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine equipment. We use their products every single day at both Van Ness Canine and at Torchlight. Their mission statement says it all, to be the world leader in quality innovation for professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport tend to exceed their customers' expectations and deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe that they've held true to that since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything canine, not just police dogs, but for any working dog. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends over at Dogtra, dogtra.com. It's the e-collars that Ted and I use. It's the e-collars most police dog guys use. Dogtra.com, e-collars, bark collars, ball launchers, one-stop shop for everything you need for your working dog, dogtra.com. One of the other sponsors we're proud to have is Hits Canine Training Conference. It's the premier Amer- it's the premier canine training seminar in the United States, packed to the rim with the world's best instructors covering important topics from admins to liability to detection work, all and tracking and everything in between. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando in August. Uh, so hit them up, hitscanine.net. We're super happy to be uh, represented by our good friends at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, we've got great reviews from people all over the place. Uh, ever since we, we joined up with them and partnered with them, their uh, commitment to your dog's nutrition is top-notch. KineticDogFood.com. Check them out. Jim over at NC Canine out in North Carolina. It's the culmination of 13 years of experience in handling the training uh, law enforcement canines. They use real-world deployments to develop their training program and rely not only on their experience, but the current experience of the nation's canine handlers provide the best canine partner you can get. They provide pet training and police canine training based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas as well as nationally. Feel free to call them and learn more about their dog training program and police canine techniques and methodologies. We got a brand new sponsor, man, American Aluminum Accessories. Uh, my entire time in canine and ever since I've been involved in the dogs, the kennel in the back of our cruisers has always been American aluminum. Uh, check them out. Uh, we're so happy to have them on here. Easyrideronline.com. Easyrideronline.com for everything you need from American aluminum accessories. Speaking of kennels, once you get out of the car, you got to have somewhere to put them. So our friends up in Ohio at Horizon Structures make a one-stop shop for kennel. If you want a two-dog kennel or if you want a 20 dog kennel they got you covered they get those things built and they drop it off at your house all you gotta have is a pad electricity and water and you can put dogs in it that day horizon structures can build you anything from mild to wild and it is the one-stop shop and you don't have to swing a single hammer so hit them up horizonstructures.com all right everybody working dog radio broadcasting the bite we are back with another great episode um as usual from ohio i am eric stambro and with the dogs in my room, one of them's itching. You can probably hear her scratching her collar in the background. With me, as always, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, is Ted Summers. Ted, what is going on in the burning hot Tulsa area? Seriously, it is. It's ridiculous. It's fucking. It's it's stupid hot here. And like, I mean, we're getting our air conditioner installed. Uh, they brought it over. Some kind of crazy, super expensive. I don't know. It's a big, giant air conditioner for the entire building. So uh, it's, that's going to be super exciting. They installed a vent, a giant vent, this exhaust fan. So it helped knock the temp down. It's not really bad in there during the day, but when it's 106 of humidity, it doesn't matter where you're in the shade or not. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got a bunch of pet dogs. Um, we 
I filled out several uh, bid applications. We got a bunch of bid requirements for some large departments that want dogs. So I'm did that today and did some other stuff. So rock and rolling and uh, working those puppies. So I should have we're going to do some uh, Patreon editing probably this weekend for Patreon people. So you can see like where those dogs are at, but they're, I mean, I've, one of the little pointers is already alerting, like she's already indirect reward on like on uh, an explosive odor with food out and other odors and everything else. And I mean, she didn't even know her name. So it's a pretty cool like process to see how Jacob and I and Paul did it. But um yeah, so I'm getting ready to go to Philly next is mm-hmm. HRD in October. So uh, a little bit out from here, but um, yeah, that'll be a, a large one. So uh, what about you? Well, speaking of Patreon, I'm doing, a, um, you know, I started, for those who don't know, we have a Patreon account, uh, Working Dog Radio on Patreon. Um, started a series on tone and the use of tone on the e-collar, how, oh, how yeah. I do it, how I do it with the pet dogs. But I've also started doing it with a couple different uh, police dogs and based off of a couple of things, it's been crazy successful. I'm like, well, it, it worked for them dogs. I was trying for these dogs. Um, so I recorded part of that today. I'll probably throw it, throw that up. Um, but uh, it, it's pretty neat. It's, it's a really neat way that we do things. Tone recall. There's a video up about that already. And then what we call tone avoidance is going to be the next section. Um, so other than that, I have, um, an explosive dog that I'm training up for a security company, but our buddy Scott over at next level kennels um, have another dog that we're probably just going to do pet. He's a Malinois who is a great dog. You would think in the kennel, the way he is that he's totally insane Malinois as usual. When you start working him, he's good for a little bit. He falls out of drive pretty quickly. So you get a couple reps out of him. Then he starts to lose interest, no matter what it is you're doing. So, um, his name is Venom. So we're just starting to mess with him a little bit on the pet side and maybe we'll sell him to somebody, uh, for the cost of the training, basically, um, still on target for September and October, no working dogs in my kennel, I'm taking the, those two months off. I'm still going to work with dudes and their dogs, but I'm done. I need, I need, gotta have a break, man. Um, plus around here, like right now, if I had a kennel full of working dogs, I'd be just losing money because around here, not a lot of people buy working dogs in the summer. As far as police departments go too busy. They don't want guys off the road. They it kind of shuts down fall, picks it back up. So I will, I will do November. I'll start reloading the kennel and then we'll see what we get. I uh, canceled the handler school that I had set up. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I just need a break. So other than that, um, the usual stuff, the pet business is super busy. We have, Still 12 trainers all booked out. Um, the, the day training at the building could be a little better right now. It's a little slow. So um, the girls are pitching in. The trainers, the day trainers are pitching in over daycare, and that's been busy and just getting content and things like that. So anyways, enough of that. Uh, what do we got going on tonight? Well, so the guest tonight is actually a friend of another one of our interviewees. Uh, everybody remembers Jake, Avalanche Jake. Um uh, Jake Hutchinson. Um, he's at, you know, we interviewed him. I mean, it's been a while, but he was just at HRD with us in Montana. And like, I've known about this, this guest for quite a while. And it's kind of one of those, like, there's always been the back of my mind, like want to do this. And Jake's like, Oh shit. He was training with me for the avalanche stuff. Like you guys need to have him on. So I did a little bit of research. So I'll just kind of give a little bit of preface. So our, 
our guest is a PJ in the Air Force. And I talked to some other guys within that community in the last couple of days. And they're like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing with a PJ on Working Dog Radio? They don't have dogs. I'm like, ah, like, so like just everybody chill out and give me a second. It's a crazy story. So uh, with that, we have Rudy Parsons on tonight. Rudy, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, things are good. Um, how are you guys doing? So I heard your whole everything you got going on the next couple <laughs> <We're>, months yeah <laughs> fucking busy yeah. yeah so we yeah we have nine thousand irons in the fire so yeah. um you know this first section why don't you give us like um rick your background um getting into the military um and talk a little bit too about the pipeline for um pjs because you know i think everybody especially guys that listen to this show that are in that community um and uh, they even aren't um kind of like the pipeline for seals and for rangers and everything. it's like it's in for you know you go to rip or rash now or whatever the fuck it's called now and you like everybody knows that the pipeline for pjs is like different does it ever end <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, never it's ends. like no, okay, i was so, told today actually uh <laughs> you know you can quit at any time so <laughs> no they still give you that shit huh no, no oh, one yeah. likes a, no one likes a quitter so <laughs> yeah so give us your background um and before we get into like how we get to um giving a dog to a pj yeah absolutely so master sergeant rudy parsons i'm a pararescueman in the u.s air force been in for 13 years now uh, over 13 and um I was active duty for six, and then I saw the light and tr uh, transferred over to the Air National Guard. So currently stationed in Kentucky at the uh, 123rd Special Tactics Squadron. So um, that's kind of my just general overview. But um, so I got in a little bit older than most of the kids getting in. Um, so I was 23, 24. Obviously, we had a couple old farts with us too, but I was right in the middle of the pack. Um, joined up in 2008 and back then it was still indoctrination um so when you go through it's eight weeks of just wake up and you pretty much do a triathlon every single day you wake up you go do your cows or your strength training then you do your running then you do uh some uh water training usually just spinning or um you know the combat stroke um and then uh after lunch you go back and it's just water confidence training so that's the drown proofing, the underwaters, tying knots on a breath, um, all that type of stuff. So it was eight weeks to graduate. I personally uh, was there for a lot longer than that. <laughs> so um, I was I was unaware of and untrained for the uh, for the water stuff. So I kind of showed up and like a deer in the headlights and ended up um, having a rough time through the indoctrination portion. Um, lots of shallow water blackouts that ended up causing me to go back um, in training. And then once you graduate in doc, you go straight to, to dive school. And when the Navy doctors saw my medical records, they're like, why is this guy having, having so many shallow water blackouts? We're not going to let him dive for us. So I had to go back to NDOC and do, do another course um, with Yeah. And I had to graduate what? again. Yeah. Holy um, shit. To, to show that I was no longer a, an underwater risk. So um, pretty, that, like I said, that was pretty tough um ended up being about 11 months like i said most guys one time shot through get through in two months and uh i was there for almost a year so so yeah Damn, dude. <laughs> so you had a um, birthday in that bitch probably i did yeah <laughs> so yeah so, it was uh yeah, real quick the underwater blackouts it's not a medical problem at all 
it's not a medical problem. So they actually did the full gamut of, I did the stress test, you know, the treadmill, uh, neurological exams. I, I got everything checked. And um, every doctor I went to, every specialist was just like, yeah, we've, we've come to the conclusion that you were uh, passing out underwater due to a, a lack of oxygen. I was like, yeah, I wow. told you that. Shocking. So, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. what I what I personally yeah, exactly. What I personally <laughs> honed it down into was um, like I said, back when I joined, um, we lived out in the boonies. So we still had dial-up internet. Um, we were, you know, a lot of a certain amount of time on it. So like I couldn't really just I, at the time, I guess there was one website that told you what the secrets were and like what the graduation standards were. And uh, I kind of read those and I was like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, just no notion of what I was really getting into. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't really have a good foundation. I got taught by the uh, on-duty lifeguard how to swim uh, at the YMCA. Like that was the most swimming I've done out of, I grew up in Colorado, so I didn't really do much swimming or anything. Right. Um, so yeah, I showed up and just had zero efficiency in the water, but, you know, my heart just really wanted it, I guess. And I'd go till I'd black out and yeah, yeah so. and you're like, man, fuck this. I joined the Air Force. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, actually, I was looking when I was looking at joining, I was debating between Coast Guard and Air Force, and I picked Air Force because uh, you didn't want to fucking I, swim. I don't want to swim. So, get in the water. <laughs> yeah, I was going to join to be an airborne linguist, and that, you know, the classic recruiter passes the pamphlet across. was like, you look like you want to do something more special operations. And I was I bought in, I uh, was mm -hmm. reading the pamphlet and I was like, it says you have to do a 500 meter swim. And he's like, oh, that's, that's the longest you'll have to swim though, just to entry. So I kind of, I, I got duped, you know, um, mm -hmm. but ended up making it. So uh, you're the only guy that a recruiter has lied to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, a single yeah you should look that guy up. And, and guess what? <laughs> stripper, I, I know strippers love me too. So mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. I have a yes. very special dude. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah. So anyways, after that, uh, went back to dive school so that's where you go do your combat dive course. Um, and then from there you go to Albuquerque and you spend the rest of your pipeline. There is kind of your, your, uh, home base and you'll go out to airborne, um, SEER, your survival school. Then you go to, um, paramedic school, you do six months of paramedicine, um, and get, get your actual, um, national, national registry paramedic certificate through that. And then, um, from there, you do military free fall, and these are all jumbled up in order. Um, a jump has to happen first before free fall, but everything else just happens at availability, really. So depending on when a class opens up, some guys get through the entire pipeline in a year and a half, and then some guys take, you know, two, two and a half years, but also plus my year at NDOC. So it ended up taking me about mm -hmm. three years to get through the pipeline. Um but the final course is your, we call it PJU, your pararescue apprenticeship course. That's where they put all those classes and skills that you've learned throughout the pipeline and put them together. And then they start adding your uh, marksmanship, your um, tactics, uh, all that type of stuff. They teach you your mountain rescue, um, pretty much all the, all the pararescue skills that are unique to our job. That's where you learn that at a very basic level and then graduate and get your beret. So, so when you were, when you grew up in Colorado in high school, dude, were you a runner? I was a runner, a uh, wrestler too. So mm. um, that's one of the things I personally think wrestling um, swimmers tend to have a uh, high success rate um, through indoc. Um, but people who've been put through the ringer and, you know, gone till their bodies have failed uh, generally tend to yeah. have a better, better shot. When did you go through indoc or where, excuse me, where was it? Uh, so indoc's at Lackland or sorry. Yeah, Lackland Air Force Base. 
So um, in Texas. running in Colorado, you get to Texas, you probably have an advantage because of having run at altitude <laughs> for all those years. Yeah. yeah. When you get to Albuquerque, had you lost any uh, uh, of it? Yeah, um, probably not because I think I was at my prime physical conditioning after um, indoctrination and after dive school. So I didn't really notice anything, but I do think I lost some going through basic training, like having pre- uh, trained up. And then you show up to Air Force basic training and it's all learning how to, you know, make a bed and fold your clothes and roll socks. So you kind of lose your physical conditioning. Um, from what I understand now, though, they're actually making huge changes in that, though. So the guys huh. that are going through to be pararescue, combat control, the special operations Air Force guys, they actually go to special flight at basic training and they get a lot more uh, PT time. And mm-hmm. then they go to an actual um, special warfare a, uh, a pre-course and they get actual there's professional coaches they get taught how to do appropriate movements and rehab and prehab and all this different stuff so it's that they're getting like two months of that it's a pretty prep. common thing for guys our age that are in that were in those communities like we've talked to several other guys and i've heard on other podcasts too like dudes go through buds and then they get held over because they get hurt and they get yep. like, fucked up and so i think they sort of figured that out like down the road but i mean so there's this big like pushback and i see it all the time like people you know when we had josh uh david on here who's the green brain ranger and he was like i didn't really prepare for it. i just fucking showed up yeah and sometimes that works and people because uh-huh. people ask him all the time like well what do i need to do to prepare he was like fucking show up and don't quit and you're like oh i mean that's it yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so yeah. i went to a couple um schools uh, week-long schools about an hour outside of Albuquerque from Ohio, no elevation. Right. Oh, yeah. So I remember we go to Albuquerque and uh, we go out to um, the New Mexico tech, I think is the name of the place. It was explosive stuff. And me and the guys with, and I was in pretty good shape, man. And we went and played pickup basketball and I thought I was going to die within minutes of that shit. So when I asked about losing it, did you lose any of that altitude conditioning while you were in Texas before you went to, would you get to Albuquerque and go, Oh no. I, yeah, I think I definitely had to get used to the, uh, the elevation again. But um, like I said, I think that was my peak. So it's kind of, you know, like athletes travel around the world and are able to acclimatize in a couple of weeks. So I think that was um, doable at the time. There she goes. Yeah, we're, we're not, it's not your turn yet, bitch. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to you in a second. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's def- definitely, um, yeah. Anytime you do those little changes in elevation, I can. So now I know you're it. doing it for a long time. Um, are you, is swimming still your weakest point or are you caught up? I think after a month much of everybody know? Yeah. I think after a month of being in the, uh, in that or a year of being in that selection phase, it definitely, um, I'm, I, I will say I will never drown. That's mm. for sure. Something I've been trained, but I'm not the fastest swimmer still. So, but, um, but yeah, I've definitely been trained and conditioned to be very comfortable in the water. So you graduate, right. Yep. Uh, from, from the, all that stuff you were telling us about, is it, uh, what year is that? So that was, uh, graduating in 2011. And then from there I punched out to uh, Moody air force base in Georgia and that's a uh, rescue squadron. So just a whole lot of pararescue men, combat rescue officers out there attached pretty much directly on the flight line. There's 
your Hilo squadron and then your C-130 squadron. So it's just that whole, I guess, the rescue triad is what they call it in, in that community. So um, pretty much you're training daily with the Helos. You're training as much as you can with the C-130s, just constantly doing that type of stuff. It's kind of an odd place for any type of um, like civilian rescue, though, because, you know, a lot of the pararescue units are right along the coast and they get punched out. 300, 600 miles off the coast because it's outside the, the Coast Guard ring. Mm. Um, but Georgia didn't really have that civilian side. So they were purely just for pumping out dudes um, to, to augment or to um, deploy. So that type of stuff. So um, we get all trained up, we get through the program and you head out to deployment. So yep. where did we go? So out, out of... Um, out of Moody, I deployed, or sorry, quote unquote, deployed Kuwait. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, it was a pretty cush deployment. We just uh, did a lot of tanning ops at the pool and got multiple times to work out and just as many eggs as you want for your meals, you know, just that type of stuff. So uh, it was pretty cush. Uh, and then, volleyball, did you guys get play a lot of beach volleyball or anything like that? A lot of volleyball, yeah. We did uh, <laughs> uh, tournaments against the air crew and all that all the time. Um, tan- yeah, just constant tanning ops pretty much. Uh, and then, uh, came back from that deployment. So that was pretty much just, you're kind of on an alert out there. It's all just posturing and politics out for that deployment. Um, then the next deployment was actually, um, just right after the Benghazi thing. So I moved out to Italy and we set out. And so once again, deployment, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, but we were, uh, in Southern Italy, uh, just stationed out there just for, uh, Neo, was the main plan. And then also just any type of Northern Africa um, stuff going on. So uh, just sitting with C-130s and 60s prepared for anything like that. So in NEO, it's that exactly what's happening in Afghanistan right now. Um, just so um, evacuating uh, mm-hmm. people from embassies or uh, um, US citizens and our allies. Um, so yeah, and then, Throughout that time, um, that was like three years with at Moody. Um, and like I said, throughout the time, I noticed a couple of the guard dudes that were just kind of doing some pretty cool deployments. Um, and uh, I just kept missing the Afghanistan deployment by just by the window. So I ended up just wanted to jump over to the guard and see if I had a little bit more uh, say in my own destiny on this side. Um, so came to Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, I've been to Afghanistan. Um, we've done a bunch of training in South America with some of our uh, partner forces down there. Um, and then um, and then a, a bunch of natural disaster response here as well. So a couple hurricanes and tornadoes and that type of stuff. So for those listening, I mean, everyone kind of, I mean, if they don't, so kind of explain what their role of a PJ is like in terms of like the overall mission and what you like, what you guys do. I mean, other than like do extractions and whatnot. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, so. Yeah. So um, really the job of a PJ is to be able to um, get to any place to um, any place that an American uh, soldier or citizen could be that needs rescue. So that's like to the, the breakdown of the core of it. It started out with air crew and then it kind of developed into battlefield type stuff. Um, so we, we kind of split into, we've got rescue, pararescue, uh, side, which is, those are 
um, what we've heard about the medevac birds that are armed to the teeth. They fly mm -hmm. out and pick up dudes in combat um, while in very hairy locations. Um, and they're doing these, uh, those types of missions. So that's what I missed. That's what Moody guys were doing. That's where I was hitting up Kuwait and Italy, which I'm not complaining about. That's pretty solid mm -hmm. little deployments, but uh, that's what that deployment looks like. Uh, and they go out Africa and um, Iraq, Afghanistan at the time, all that. So, uh, and then you've got your special tactics PJs, which these guys are, and that's what I do here at Kentucky. We're developed to attach or augment to um, the other teams, so Rangers, SEALs, um, your ODA teams, and they'll attach on. And our job is to be, for one, we're, we're shooters, we're medics, but we, what we bring to the table is that we are um, problem solvers and, and uh, technical rescue experts. So uh, we're supposed to be able to solve problems, like how, how do you get a dude off the, off the roof, um, you know, casually off the roof when you can't expose yourself to fire or, you know, um, you know, how to get guys out of vehicles if they've been flipped, different stuff like that. Um, like I said, just problem solving, technical rescue. So all that. You're all you're, So you're there when somebody has a really bad day. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and hopefully they're like, man, I'm glad you're here, but I hope I never have to see you, bro. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so in this time, um, how much contact did you have with NPCs, MWDs, combat assault dogs? I mean, so, so the most contact I had was in Afghanistan. Anytime we did attach with the Rangers or be hanging out, um, I'd, I'd kind of just be drawn towards the, the MWDs. Um, and that's pretty much it in my entire military career. We, uh, we go through multiple training iterations and all that um, to learn how to treat these dogs. I personally never had to treat a dog that was injured in, in combat. If you had to explain to somebody uh, medical training that you have, what, what level comparative to like a, you know, where doctors are, uh, physicians, assistants, nurse practitioners, medics, where do you guys fit in that whole scheme about? Yeah. Um, so we are nationally registered paramedics. So that's, uh, kind of our baseline. That's what our, um, that's what our certification says for the civilian side. And then in our dirt medicine and on, in our, um, in our extra um, stuff, we also do combat medicine. So we do a lot of battlefield surgery. Um, so I've heard us compared to kind of like in between a, a physician's assistant and a paramedic, because we can do um, chest tubes, uh, we can do crikes, uh, um, you know, some some very unique things in some very hairy places, um, and then add that to our actual. Um, recovery element to being able to extract somebody from from crazy locations as well uh but yeah i think on a medical level that's it'd be somewhere in between a paramedic and a physician's assistant ted what so, was that show we talked about this before i think you and i it was on i don't know man like a e or one of those it was in afghanistan i believe it was pjs they would go with them uh they get called out and they go dude they, oh, was, they did yeah they some crazy a, shit in the back of a fucking a, helicopter man they had they had a yeah it was a i don't remember one Long of the one of my favorite shows but, i'd seen it, it, they, it wasn't actors it was real it was they, they had cameras yeah. all over the bird i'm sure yeah yeah so that was my that was my uh roommate um and then a couple oh. of guys on my team yeah there so inside go. inside combat rescue yeah 
There Dude, you go. that was the best show, yeah. man. Yeah, that was like, fucking hairy. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're yeah. like in the throat. I was like, what? Yeah, you could so see that's... the one guy was his first, like one of his first ops, and they're like, mm-hmm. get it in there, and he had to, he had to trick that dude. Yeah, on the, the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, the cameras <laughs> are doing this. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. it's crazy. Yep. I yeah, I couldn't so... even clean my brush my teeth in a moving <laughs> helicopter. And yeah. it helps out quite a bit, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, up to yeah, this point, yeah, that's the, only, uh, oh, sorry. Go that's no, so go cool. Talking over you. Yeah, you're good. Um, up until this point, like the only contacts you've had with dogs is like, you know, when you're in Italy and, and you're in Kuwait, you see the, the MPs with their fucking dogs. And then you train with the Rangers and see those dudes in Afghanistan and that's it. So yeah. at, we're going to go to a break real quick. We come back. We're going to tie all this together. Like, why do we have you on here talking about dogs? Cause you're at this point, like you're like, have no, I don't right. so <laughs> so when we come back um one of your humanitarian missions was to our deployments was to um haiti after the earthquake um so we'll hear the story about how the dog program came to be and kind of like where it's at now so don't i'm gonna do the eric thing don't fast forward through the commercials and don't ask me what it is on instagram because i'm just gonna tell you to go look at the show notes so um <laughs> so wait we'll be back in just a second we have a long-standing relationship with the guys over at Hits Canine Training Conference. Uh, it's truly America's premier canine seminar. It is the largest. It is the best. Um, they cover every important topic in the canine industry. Hundreds and hundreds of vendors, thousands of canine people there. Everybody you know in this industry is there. Ted and I will be teaching. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Also, check out their website, hitscanine.net. They have other classes that they're putting out online, uh, Zoom classes and all kinds of other things. They're offering in-person classes leading up to Hits 2022, Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Check it out, hitscanine.net. Everyone knows me, knows that I live on chicken nuggets and Coors Light. So uh, that doesn't mean your dog should, though. Um, our friends at Kinetic um, are, make it a, a point to fuel working dogs, and they know that it can be tough and they need high quality food, unlike me, to give them energy and the nutrients that they require. I just subsist on air and, you know, Coors Light, which, but the dogs can't, they actually have to work. So for that, we asked Kinetic, and Kinetic has come up with a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working in sport dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available, and they've been working to perfect their line for thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the U.S., you can buy it locally online or at Tractor Supply, or you can get it at Chewy. So head over to their website, kineticdogfood.com, 513-615-6904. And get them on the socials at Kinetic Dog Food. So probably the number one product I've ever advertised for or used that, set, that does what they say is Quick Derm by Vet Care. Uh, I have it uh, at my house. I have it at the kennel. I have it at the fun house. I have it at the uh, doggy daycare. I have my trainers have at their house. It is unbelievable how it works. You guys have all heard Ted and I talk about it, how we've gotten tagged by dogs or dogs do, you know, if you're dealing with working dogs, weird stuff happens, right? Cuts that, how the hell that happened? Bites, scratches, all kinds of things that happen, especially if you're doing anything in the wooded area, they get tore up. Uh, the Quick Derm by Vet Care. It is no exaggeration. It is great. So, once daily treatment for any skin condition or small wounds to help stop little issues, 
from becoming big ones. Comes in sprays, ointments, or dressing. Quick Derm is great at creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. The best thing, too, is they have a discount code. Get on their website, vetcare.us. That's vetcare.us. Put in the discount code 10WDR in capital letters, 10WDR for 10% off your first order. These next guys uh, have actually been on the show and we instructed at uh, the first uh, Tripwire conference down in Florida. Uh, Jim O'Brien was a guest on the show uh, and he runs NCK9, who has now come onto the show as a sponsor. Um, Jim's been around for quite a long time, about 13-ish years, uh, with experience handling and training law enforcement canines. Um, he uses real-world deployments to develop training program and not rely only on their experience, but current experiences from most of their national canine teams and handlers to provide the best canine partner that you guys can, can purchase. They provide pet training and police canine services based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas. Feel free to give Jim a call, a text, carrier pigeon, however you want to get a hold of him uh, to, to talk to him about police canine training or pets and techniques and methodologies. So hit him up at 919-438-0141 or J O'Brien. That's J-O-B-R-I-E-N at N-C, letter K number nine dot U-S. Check the show notes. We'll put it there. All right. We are back uh, with uh, Pararescuing, uh, Rudy Parsons. Um, and we've kind of been discussing the pipeline, how we got where we, to the, the point where we have a uh, relevant to the audience listening to this for canine stuff. So, you know, to kind of briefly gloss over what we just we listened to like how these guys are trained which is pretty intense and eric and i kind of mentioned one of the shows if you haven't seen that show you should go watch it it's really good and fairly you said rudy said one of your roommates like is in the show yeah yeah i was living with the guy that uh I, he got deployed to afghanistan and he, crazy um he was on that show, so, so yeah, yeah it was super intense so the trick here is um you know these your guys are finally i mean you guys are are deployed to rescue down pilots injured soldiers and american civilians or partner forces or like allies in crazy places in crazy situations and like i said a minute ago like if somebody's having a bad day they're probably going to see you uh, probably the worst day of their life <laughs> and uh hopefully they come back with a cool story and um so one of your deployments uh was to haiti during the earthquake was it 2010 no 2010. So I'll correct. I, I wasn't on this deployment, but um, the, it's the pararescue community deployed right. to this. Um, mm. So 2010, uh, that massive earthquake right. in Haiti, hundreds of thousands of people died. Um, but the island was devastated and uh, the airfields were even destroyed. And um, so there was no way to get relief in uh, other than just the long process of a boat getting out there. Yeah. So what they did is they deployed a bunch of pararescue men and combat controllers to Haiti that parachuted in and began clearing the runway. Um, and one of the skills of the combat controller is they can uh, air traffic controllers as well. So that's one of their jobs, not only drop bombs, but they can also manage um, all the different aircraft in the air during that. So they put them in the civilian world after this earthquake, they start clearing the runway um, tr trying to get it ready for uh, relief to come in and the civilian, the local populace comes in and they're like, Hey, there's this building outside that collapsed. There's at least 40 kids in there that collapsed oh, in man. this building. So, so the PJs kind of popped off and went over there, started digging brick for brick. Um, at the time, you know, like 
our capability is pretty much anything that we can carry. Uh, that's how we can, how we roll. We don't have huge bulldozers or anything like that. Uh, any type of mecha mechanical, any, any type of machinery that we can use. So it's kind of just what we have. So, uh, we have some like man portable jaws of life that we can carry and some lift bags and things like that, but it's, it's slow rolling. So anyways, they're just going brick by brick looking for these, these kids that were told were in there. They spend three days looking, um, by that time the airfield's been cleared FEMA lands and they go out there to assist. They put a dog on the pile and in 20 minutes, that dog clears the pile and there was nobody. In how many, there. so this entire, how many PJs, 20 well, how many PJs were looking for three days? That is the entire, so, um, I'm not, yeah, oh, it was, shit. you know, two to two to four guys just out there working, um, as long as they can yeah. taking rest as they can, but they're, they're looking cause they, they thought this was just major thing. So 20 minutes to stop clears that all their work that they just wasted, they could have been spending rescuing. And, um, at that moment, the, uh, pararescue community was like, why don't we have dogs? So um, that was kind of the big thing. It got approved back then, uh, but it's just one of those things. Dogs is kind of, it's a big task. Uh, it requires a lot of effort and it requires that. So it kind of just got approved. Everybody was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then it just kind of disappeared. So then fast forward, um, I guess, eight years later, 2018, uh, our chief at the time, or our senior at the time here at Kentucky just mentioned to me that there, this was something that occurred. And um, one of the things I've, before joining the military, I was looking at becoming a sheriff and then eventually like doing four years and going canine. So it was kind of an interest, but like I said, I just had zero experience in it. Um, now I'm, a, I'm a single dude. And as a pararescueman, as a single dude, you're traveling on the road 280 days a year, at least. So you can't really have a pet dog either. So it's just some, it's just this hole in my life that I've had. So I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to see what this is about. Cause then, then I can get a dog and I can travel around with it. And I kind of just kind of took it as just a way for me to get a pet kind of. But um, so as I started looking into it, started talking to some of the FEMA folks, talking to some of the uh, military dog handlers and stuff like that, I started realizing like, this is actually huge. Like this could change the game for pararescue and for the special, special warfare side of the house on, on in the air force. So start looking into it a little bit more. Uh, we fly down to Lackland, um, my, myself and my chief, and we present this program to Lackland Air Force Base, the, the canine group down mm -hmm. there. And they just, I don't think I was through the entire brief and they were just like, yes, like, absolutely. Let's get this. Like, let's throw you in the system. We're going to make your own little tab. Everything I can like see, I can see dogs. those guys doing that, especially those guys down there. I mean, they're usually obviously pro dog, but like, I mean, yeah. so they're like, yeah, sure. We'll do this. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And like that, they bring it up to you and you're like, yeah, I mean, yeah, fuck, I'll do it. That's yeah. That's, I mean, so yeah. um, talk a little bit about how um, like right now the program is just the single dog, which we're going to talk about that in this last half of the show. Um, but kind of like at, at this point, um, cause at, like they make you a new tab, which I didn't know you guys, that's a, that's fucking rad. So Mm -hmm. yeah i'm like yeah, one yeah, of one. everyone's yeah. like oh you know dudes talk about long tabs you're like fuck have you seen this one and they're like what is that that's not yeah. even real like <laughs> yeah no that's like you made that though. up and they're like no i promise <laughs> so um as this whole thing goes on um i would imagine 
that all these new standards and certifications and everything like new SOPs and TTPs and blah, blah, blah all that shit has to come out. So mm-hmm. what was the process like for that? Cause I have to assume that you guys are pretty regimented on TTPs and protocols and procedures and blah, 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 and everything else. So there has to be some sort of like profile design to say, this is when we use the dog. This is when we don't and all that kind of stuff. So at its onset, what was the kind of like, call out setup for the mission profile for um the dog portion yeah so i started with uh what we'd most likely use the dog for would be like a mass casualty situation natural disaster um right now we've kind of uh focused on the civilian rescue so natural disasters and all that stateside um i think as the program grows we'll be able to actually develop it into a true air force special warfare dog uh, but currently she's just uh, she provides that search and rescue uh, in a non-threatening and well, non-enemy environment. Um, so uh, we base it on, she'll go out and do all our tactical training with us too. So if we have, you know, the classic uh, explosion and there's all these people out there, every time you do a mass casualty scenario in any type of uh, combat medic, there's always somebody missing. Um, and so we've immediately eliminated that it's taken us from looking and hmm. setting up human search pattern patterns using I, our eyes and ears. You know, some of those I've, I've been on one training mission where that, uh, took us about an hour to find this one person that the, uh, the people had hidden. So just in training with her, we found that guy. And I think it was a minute 30. Oh, shit. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> they're like shit. Yeah. So we don't have. I'm we didn't know what else to do. Like I don't like I because I've gone through the same. Yeah. Like holy shit! I'm like no, I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, but I'm like, oh, I mean, but no. But yeah. everybody else is surprised. They're like, yeah, that's <laughs> so great. So that yeah, so that's exactly that's uh, I think that and as well as a couple of our avalanche scenarios where where I've been able to demonstrate Callie's uh, capability in the snow. That's where it kind of <laughs> yeah, you can <laughs> have that. <laughs> So that's where it kind of mm-hmm. validated to the team was where they were like, oh, all right, that actually makes a lot of sense because we just did this same scenario a while ago and it took us an hour and a half to find this dude. And now we just found him in less than two well, minutes. And, so all of a sudden these guys are starting to see the value. And when you back up, even the law enforcement, you know, law enforcement and military, first and foremost, regardless if like you're listening to this, whether it's single purpose, dual purpose, whatever, first and foremost, their job is a location tool. Like whether they're locating people, mm-hmm. narcotics, explosives, whatever they're taught to find stuff anything stuff and you know that's why i joke people are like oh i'm like i just teach dogs to find stuff and bite people like that's all i I mean just oversimplification but still you know so it makes sense that you know and then i can immediately see the the benefits of it like if you're having a user and in in a threatening environment um what was the dude that was shot down in kosovo uh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Thing. The F-117. Uh, the the yeah. The Nighthawk guy or whatever. I mean, I could. I mean, because that was a. I remember that whole thing going down, and that was pretty hairy. So I can yeah. immediately. I think they made a movie about yeah, it, right? Yeah. Behind it. Behind yeah. enemy lines. So <laughs> I can immediately see where having the dog there would limit the time on the ground, and so. Um. It currently, is there any plans in that program to give the dogs, uh, the ability to help protect the team or the unit? um we can we're not live we're not live <laughs> yeah. so we can cross our fingers <laughs> right yeah so um right now we're, we're validating that she's a good search and rescue dog uh so that's what we're focusing mm-hmm. on um 
I do think that, like I said, in the future, uh, I don't think we'll do the same as what our our brothers do, like the uh, the other assaulters well, do, where job. they have these <laughs> yeah. tracking yeah. exactly. <laughs> so and and they and they've already got that that yeah. whole plug, you know. So like, what I see value in is her having that area sent search for missing people, and then protecting our team if we're in an environment where uh, we need, you know, if I'm head heads down working on a patient, I want to at least know somebody's walking up behind right. me. So a point, a point alert defense system, and then potentially a non-lethal way of disengaging, um, an, uh, somebody that's threatening our space. So on that training mission prior to it, where she found them in a minute and a half, did you have some of the old timers kind of poo-pooing and naysaying and giving you that yeah. So I... prior to that, um, she was kind of just a nuisance in the team room. She's just barking all the time. Everybody has TBIs and they all get headaches really easy. So everybody's <laughs> just getting pissed off because this dog's, you know, they don't really see the purpose of it. She's just there. Uh, they see her. See, we're seeing her as a pet for the most part. Um, and then even on that mission, it took way longer than it should have to be like, oh, yeah, we're, we're looking for somebody like why don't we use the dog? So it was one of those things like we were just not mm -hmm. sure. And so as soon as we used her, she found him. And this, was, like, this is a perfect okay. point for Eric to sense. tell the story about San Clemente Island where those dudes missed. <laughs> oh yeah. We, we had some, uh, I, when I worked for Cobra canine on the West coast NSW contract, we were out doing, um, workups for deployment. And, uh, we had, uh, they had built, they had changed this area and they added a cubby hole in there that um, the, the guys didn't know, you mm -hmm. know, from prior deployments and training there. And so they had someone hiding in there and the, um, so the overhead IR is telling them every, everybody's out, but there's still some, there's still a military age male in there somewhere. He did not come out and the, everybody's telling him and Dude, they, they couldn't find him. And I knew where he was at. And I was running, the, training the dogs. And I remember going to the one chief and I said, hey, chief, why don't you use the dog? And he's like, why the hell would I do that? And I was like, uh, peace out, bro. So I went back to the, uh, to the command post and just waited. And they came back and then screaming and yelling happened. And they went back out because the guy was still there. And um, I don't think that I stayed where I was at. I don't think they ended up using the dog, but that whole, why would we do that? Um, and this was 2013 when that happened or yeah. Um, yeah. End of 2013. So it's like, by this point you would think the dogs, people would understand that. And, uh, but they didn't, it's still, you still find even to this day in law enforcement, military, you still have to teach people and show worth. And I, I'm always fast. That's why I, I'm always that's why I acted well, didn't act. I was like, oh shit, a minute and a half. I mean, and we've done that. I mean, several of our dogs, single purpose, like, uh, or, I'm sorry, dual purpose dogs have had, have found like people that are non threatening, which I don't like, but they use them for that because primarily they're, they're made for, the, they're made to find stuff, but made to find people. But, you know, so that training scenario, do you guys get to go home early? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, obviously, <laughs> they're like, "Fuck, go get enough, go P do it again." P <laughs> PJs have a bad habit. Like, if you have a bag with enough pockets, you'll just like doesn't matter how big your bag is, you'll still fill it. So 
you always uh, same thing with same thing with time. Like if we just have free time, we'll you're like we, so we ended up. I, we can, we're paid hourly, bro. Probably ended up de- <laughs> yeah. Probably ended up debriefing our rope scenario for like an extra six hours. Oh, or God. Something. <laughs> yeah. You guys are good at doing a lot of yeah. things. You're not good at doing Correct. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, and then the other scenario that uh, is pretty much uh, a couple months following that, we were out in Montana. We're in the back country. We're out on snowmobiles and um, we did a, like, we were out cruising around our um, training shop called in and they're like, Hey, avalanche just hit over here. There's uh, three missing people. So we drove out there and they had buried two beacons in the snow and then two avalanche beacons. And then they had buried an actual person. um, I think like four feet under the snow, something like that. So pretty, pretty shallow, but he had his he had his helmet over his head, so he had enough air for just a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. But uh, so, anyways, we got on scene. Uh, we started searching with the beacon. The number one rule is if you're in the backcountry, beacon is the fastest way to find somebody. But it just so happened in this scenario, it took Callie uh, a little over four minutes to find the living person, and it took us between fifteen and twenty minutes to find the be- each of the beacons. So. Once again, at that time, the team was like, okay, this is pretty And awesome. I don't remember, so it's, just almost it's been man, 20 years now since I was dealing with that. But I mean, most of the time you've got about 18 minutes or so. I think the, the, back then it yep. was about 18 minutes before the the Avalon came out for Black Diamond and whatever they're called now. But um, you have like 18 minutes and that's when people start like dying. So she, four and a half minutes is pretty fucking fast. And especially yeah. in a debris field and, and with an unknown, mm-hmm. with an unknown start. So I'm sure they had like, they didn't have a point of disappearance and then the last known and right. the end of the slide, like all the things they teach in those avalanche courses, you're like, yeah, yeah well, I know it's not up high. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, exactly. uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the dog. So right now it's just a one shop stop or one dog shop. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. When we come back and then we'll talk about Miss Callie um, and that whole process. So again, don't fast forward through the commercials. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. All right, guys, this episode has been brought to you by great sponsors of ours. Please don't skip through this. Take a listen to them. One of our oldest sponsors and great friends of ours are the people down at Highland Canine down in North Carolina. Um, I really like them. We have, we see them at all the conferences. I know a lot of people have been to their school for dog trainers. They've been on the podcast Highland canine. They're a full service canine and pet dog training business where they can train you to be a trainer. They can get you a dog. They have handler classes. They have supervisor classes. They have trainers courses for just LE. They have them for anybody who wants to be in, uh, in the dog business, be a dog trainer of any kind. Um, Check them out. Their website is tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. If you are smart, you'll go down there in the winter. It is North Carolina. It is warm. You get to work dogs. It's no, no joke school, guys. You're not going down there for a month um, and, and rushing through it. They're actually trying to make you real deal dog trainers. Uh, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Next is a sponsor that's been with us for quite a while, uh, Dogtra. I love Dogtra stuff, and they continually keep bringing out new products. Uh, one of the things that I've been using a lot lately is the new Tone Box. If you're a pet trainer or if you train a lot of police officers, and I harp at my guys all the time about timing, and this thing literally kind of pairs to the, to the remote, and when you're using the remote, whether you're using Nick, Constant, or Vibrate, it makes a noise. So you can get the timing down 100% consistent. 
And so I can demonstrate how to do an out with an e-caller immediately, quickly. And it is so effective that I can't believe that it took me forever to figure it out <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to get that. They've also got these new um, comfort feather, like titanium things that go on the collars that uh, are fantastic for making sure we got contacts. It actually has six points and this comes in two sizes and it's a titanium feather thing. They're awesome. They got comfort, comfort contact points for the bark collars, the YS600, one of my favorite things. I have about 50 of them at the kennel and it is dead silent. And I put them on all the pet dogs and I can leave them on because they have the comfort contact points and they're fantastic. All this stuff you can get at dogtrue.com. And if you use the discount code WDR10, you get 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So that covers the ball trainer, that covers the 1900S hands-free, which is my personal favorite for all the big dogs. Uh, it covers the two dog system, uh, the 202C, which I use for the two dog pet guys. And fantastic. So dogtrue.com or go to at Dogtra official on all the socials. That's Facebook, Instagram, all those places. So hit them up, dogtra.com. Guys, I don't even shop any other sites when I'm looking for everything for dogs. Our one-stop shop for anything pet dog training and police dog training, hunt dog training, anything you need, you can find at rayallen.com. They have been doing it forever. We have a great relationship with them. Um, Again, they're at all the conferences. You can stop up and talk to them. They have more stuff there than any place. RayAllen.com. They are amazing. We have a great, uh, really, really good relationship with those guys. Um, like I said, I get on their website. I do not look anywhere else. I just get on Ray Allen. Why, why should I fill up my cart, pay it, boom, shipping. Here we go. Uh, everything's coming. RayAllen.com. And guess what? We do have a discount code for them. Working dog radio for 10% off. It's all one working dog radio and it's all caps. Check them out. RayAllen.com. I'm not too shaped to admit that I used our own discount code to buy stuff for the kennel. We have American Aluminum next, our new sponsor for uh, moving forward. Um, they have been around for quite a while. They manufacture a wide variety of products from the high quality cam lockers and toolboxes to a huge line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law enforcement community. Back in 1992, due to the demand for safe, secure transport for a nearby law enforcement department's canine, they introduced the very first Easy Rider canine. They have continuously grown and expanded products, catering to the needs and wants of the valued customers and high-profile clientele. Over the years, as the needs have changed, they have evolved and expanded their products to include inmate transport systems, canine training aids, canine inserts, contraband, containment, and animal control systems, just to name a couple of things. So you can find them at easyrideronline.com. That is Easy Echo Zulu Rider Online. Dot com. You can find them on the socials at American Aluminum Accessories, and then you can hit them up toll free 1-800-277-0869. You don't have to worry about writing all that down. We're going to put it in the show notes. So just scroll down to the bottom, write it down, click the link, takes you straight there out into your phone. Our first sponsor we ever had, he's been, he's our ride or die. He's been with us since the beginning is Arno over at ALM Canine Equipment. His stuff is so good. Ted, you know, gets suits. He, and listen, Ted suit. He's had it for a long time. Arno's fixed it. He's uh, taken a million bites on it. It still holds up. The thing's amazing. I've got a suit from him. I love it. Use it all the time. Uh, but the main thing that I really love about Arno is his hidden sleeves are ridiculously amazing. They are the best. And his tugs. I usually buy tugs from Arno by the box load. He'll send me a whole bunch of them. I hand them out to the handlers, new handlers when they come in. 
experienced handlers. Uh, they last for a long time. They're amazing. The craft work is is great. Arno's doing all the, the sewing there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom-made suits, everything you need um, out there. And he's out there in sunny Las Vegas. Get on his website, check him out, almk9equipment.com, almk9equipment.com. Discount code WDRADIO, all caps, 10% off your first order. Check him out. All right, we are back uh, with uh, Pararescuing, Rudy Parsons, um, running the only uh, search and rescue dog in the DOD, right? That's the, yeah, it's the only DOD. Service-wide, yeah. Right, right. right. You, got, yeah. you got to sink, you're the only dude with that tab. That, that's, that's correct. I need to actually make something, you know, put yeah. it above. <laughs> that That is like, dudes are going to see that and they're be like, what in the hell? Like, even I, like, stolen like, I valor. Know. I don't even know what he stole. Yeah, yeah that's fair. You know, yeah. Like, where did you get that? Um, so, you know, we'll talk a, a little bit. About can I throw that. a comment? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But I've actually been to like down at Lackland, I've been to some handler school, uh, sorry, some uh, uh, kennel master conferences. Mm-hmm. I've been around and like, and it's funny because they'll be like, they'll talk about how there's these social media communities that see me and they'll be like, oh, what's this guy doing? Like, this is bullshit. And I'm like, and then they'll beat me and they'll be like, oh, well, no, I, I, okay, that makes sense. So it's, it's kind of funny. Like there's a lot of, I, I, I've never been approached about it, but I do think there's a lot of that going on out there about like, it is a weird, she is the only one. So it kind of is a weird little uh, fence, I guess, that people don't know because it's, it's so unique. And so. Yeah. The brass I, that are uniform Nazis will, someone will at some point, oh, you okay. happen to be a Wright Patterson Air Force Base where you got to tie your, arm and a salute some uh-huh. guy's gonna yeah. go what is that airman what is that <laughs> what the what the that's fuck unauthorized you, you like yeah i what in the fuck is that listen general so, you don't need to know yeah they love this um, Do that. <laughs> yeah that'll go over super well uh so you it's a one stop it's a one dog shop um you guys have been basically training for like what three years or something three years yep and um, we're going to get to her certifications, but her name is Callie. She's a duchy, um, yep. right? So for everybody listening, it's SAR underscore pup, S-A-R underscore P-U-P. You've already got like 27,000 followers anyway. So Most people I'm sure everybody yeah. fucking follow. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, but if you don't go follow it, um, you got pictures of jumping out of fucking planes and helicopters and shit with her, which we can talk about because she, you have some of that certification stuff. I mean, you yeah. guys, it, you're in the Air Force, right? So, um, right. Did you have to swim with her? Uh, she did. Yeah, we've been out into uh, Pendleton and did our maritime stuff with that. Uh, I was going to say, did you but, see Dustin and have him yep. throw you off the fucking tower? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Get in the water. Uh, it's like, a rite of passage thought, at this I thought point. I, was, I, I thought I was over that. Um, <laughs> so talk a little bit about Cali, like where she came from um, and the whole process of selection and that whole deal. Yeah. So like you said, she's a four-year-old Dutch Shepherd. Um, and me being me, I had no idea what I was getting into, had no idea, uh, puppy selection, any of that stuff. So talked to some of the guys out at, um, Ohio task force FEMA team. Um, they kind of pointed me up in the direction of, uh, PinVet working dog center out of Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So out of PinVet, I, uh, contacted them. Um, they're pretty much sold out for years and years ahead of time, but they were really intrigued by the process, by the program I was setting up. So they had me come out um, and I did a, a dog selection, was looking at, I specifically wanted pointy ear just because um, I felt like it to validate what our program was. I, I 
kind of wanted a pointy ear. I thought it'd be funny. It would look funny if we showed up with like a floppy ear and be like, yeah, we're here to, you know, attach these soft teams. But so I specifically asked for a pointy ear. Um, they brought out a couple dogs. Callie jumped off the books to me. She just looked incredible. Uh, come to find out. So they did actual like rubble pile searches with her and she found all the people really quickly. Uh, was never sidetracked or anything like just just always working. So I really keyed in on her, um, come to find out she was actually being trained in the police dog world. And uh, they, they were really hesitant to sell her out from the police because she was doing really well on that side of the house. But so anyways, um, they, they sold Callie to me and uh, went through their handler school there. So they taught me the basics. Um, first time in a room was that they were like, all right, let's see where we need to start for handler. And they uh, had me go in the room, just play with a random dog. I think I was in there for less than a minute. And they're like, okay, that's enough. Let's go talk. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, first thing, we're just going to say, just say a command once. Uh, and then uh, that, that's pretty much the very beginning of my handler training. So was, they could yeah, recognize one. where I was at in 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one command, one so, behavior. Yeah. yeah. This is a leash. This is yep. the end you use. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's from that 20 seconds. That's pretty much where they went uh -huh. the very beginning. Um, so spent a couple of weeks up there, almost a month up there, um, learning the ins and outs of working dogs. Um, then immediately went down and trained with the Tennessee task force, uh, kind of met some of the guys in the, in the New York FEMA task force. So immediately just kind of started meeting all these really cool people that are experts in the field. And uh, just started just writing everything down and just kind of just being a sponge and started absorbing. Um, and then also learned that this was going to be a lot more than what I thought it was. Hmm. Uh, so it's yeah. Just... <laughs> and we've had FEMA handlers on before and the FEMA certification process. I, every, Eric and I laugh about it all the time, even on the, the military side, like dudes like bitch about some certification stuff and canine handlers bitch about it. I'm like, dude, it's literally 20 minutes once a year. Like you can like just it's fine. The FEMA certification is yeah. FEMA's like hold my beer. It's gonna be a yeah, while. like there. Yeah, like it's, it's here. It's like a week, multiple and, days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah. fucking hell. And so, talk a little bit about like the training up to the point where you start going because you have basically a FEMA equivalent cert, right? Yep. You've got multiple wilderness certs. You've obviously you're gonna get your avalanche this this winter, right? Yeah, hoping to go out and train with Jake and get the avalanche actually certified. So you're gonna do it in yep. the United States. You're gonna go to Canada uh probably in colorado with the uh, yeah. c-rad dudes so. yeah ask, ask jake about trying to get certified in colorado or in canada uh, oh uh, yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah we've had it yeah. yep yeah <laughs> fucking evaluators yeah anyway um so talk a little bit about the training process you're you're talking about that like getting trained up for it so when do we start to go get uh our female equivalent and how did that go yeah so i kind of focused first uh just aiming at FEMA um, and then wilderness was kind of um, at convenience because there's plenty of, I could train anywhere with wilderness. So it, we'd be out doing training with my team or anything. And I just have somebody go run off in the woods and hide. Um, but FEMA is very specific. You have to find rubble piles, set up certain different problems, um, diffused and focal sense and different stuff like that. So um, constantly going up, tra just training, traveling with Tennessee, Ohio, Indiana, um, Colorado, California, just traveling all over and just kind of just meeting all the experts and learning. Um, I had Cali for about eight months. 
Uh, and then we went down to Tennessee and had um, FEMA's uh, evaluators actually evaluate us. We did the full FEMA cert with FEMA evaluators and uh, they, they blessed us off as we're equivalent of, of them. Um, and the whole reason I wanted that is because the goal is we're going to be searching piles side by side with these guys, you know, and I want right. them to, I want them to see us as an equal and know, know what our capability is. Like a lot of times in a wilderness search, you show up and you're like, uncle Bob's got his bloodhound out there. And you're like, he says he's certified. Yeah. You have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and it's a different deal for you guys too. I mean, you do show up for that, but I mean, for that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I can imagine that as that program gets more mature, they'll probably ask you guys to do some things that the FEMA handlers are <laughs> and they're not supposed to, it's not their job. Correct. So, yeah. but I mean, and at that point, like you're going to be the SME on that team, like when you're out and they're going to look at you and be like, can the dog do this? And you're like, well, I mean, I guess like mm-hmm. we'll find yeah. out yeah. not, not, that's not the time to find out, but so um, once you get the certification done and you start going back, um, uh, when you, at what point did you do the aha moment where she found somebody in a minute and a half and was it pre or post deploy or per certification? Uh, so the, I'm trying to think now, I think the, uh, is post for, is post both um, FEMA and um, wilderness after we had both of those, that's kind of the aha moment. So that's like I said, eight months of the guys on the team being like, what is this? Like, why right, is this happening yeah. to fuck, us? This good motherfucker get yeah. the dog. We <laughs> yeah. have to work and you get to go yeah. play with the dog all day. <laughs> Seriously. So, yeah. um, so how has, so you got wilderness and avalanche where you're going to do this winter. So how has like the training gone, um, recently in terms of like continued training and working towards that kind of stuff uh, with the team? Uh, so it's going really well. And um, it's actually awesome now because I'll have guys that after training will be like, hey, you want me to go hide for Cali or, you know, it's actually planned. It, it's planned into a lot of our scenarios instead of me trying to force something at the end. Like, um, so it's actually becoming very organic. And I think our entire squadron is really understanding what the what the value of the dog is and how to now we're seeing how to train them. Um, but what's been impressive to me was just that Cali was able to because uh, she was able to kind of just figure out that, like you said, it's just a search game. So in all these different environments I've put her in, you know, desert, urban, um, wilderness, snow, um, even like water, swamp or river type areas, like she's kind of put it into the same, like she's been able to figure it out that this is the exact same game. And so it's been very impressive to see her just pick it up and be able to just wherever I get her, like if I just, or even at your, uh, your fun house out there in Ohio, like, you know, just, I can just put her anywhere and just give her the command and she knows exactly what to do um, in whatever environment. So it was, it was really cool to be able to do all three of these different trainings at the same time and just see them kind of mesh together in her head that it's just, this is the same game uh, for her. So yeah, you know, Contact. since I started having search and rescue guys come to use the fun house, um, and we've had some on the on the uh, podcast, I've really gained a ton of respect for the folks. And then when we did um, did some training up there at Miskatatuck, where I had some search and rescue guys assigned to my little group, um, a lot of law enforcement guys uh, kind of poo poo the 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 search and rescue, the civilian search and rescue side of things almost as if they're like um 
you know, coming in to, to bring some voodoo magic bullshit. And when it's just dog training stuff and it's, and it's good dog work, what they don't understand is search and rescue people would probably live in their truck, but have some of them do every piece (laughs) of Gucci kit they can come up Uh with, man. I was at this, I was up at Muscatatuck and the guy assigned to me, I had a bloodhound and that dude had, he had this, uh, he could, (laughs) you know, this GPS device, this thing, that thing you could see in the dark, he, all this other shit. And I'm like, dude, that's like, dude, you got like 10 grand on your vest and he's not getting paid to do the, and it's all volunteer. Yeah. It's crazy. And to watch their dogs work, they had some good dogs, man. It's it's really neat. But what none of them get to do where you get to, you know, kind of shine a little bit is some, jumping stuff with your dog some uh (laughs) talk about that little bit yeah so like i said our the whole thing so um the reason i i think that this military search and rescue dog thing makes sense is because there's local there's state and there's federal agencies and all search and rescue agencies have canine uh what we provide to the game is that we now have a dog that can get any place anytime so the way we do that is we have to think outside the box. So the way that we get to places as pararescuemen is helicopters are jumping by, by land, by sea, by air, you know, all those different ways. So um, our focus was once we get certified uh, to be able to really um, fit ourselves into the puzzle as this capability that gets to places nobody else can. So we do the air assault stuff out of helicopters, uh, did a lot of that with Dustin down in, mm-hmm. in California. So fast roping, rappelling out of helicopters, uh, jumping into the ocean, uh, all that stuff. Um, and we do that around here too. We've got our, our birds out of Frankfort, Kentucky that we fly mm-hmm. with all the time. And they, they're awesome hoisting in and out of uh, little tiny DZs and stuff like that. Um, and then on top of that, the, the jumping aspect. So we do military free fall. And then um, our other our other one is static line square. So it's actually a static line shoot that comes out as a square shoot. So it's steerable. Nice, yeah. So it's, yeah. So it's much different than the uh, airborne, uh, you know, jump out and round and pound, together. buddy. Yeah, and it, <laughs> hit, the, hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. I, I would put Callie through that. I, I try not to go through that as much as I can. So uh, we do steerable canopies mm-hmm. for her only, um, which allows for a flared landing and uh, very comfortable for her. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, I think the moment. So at that point I'd been training for about a year, I'd done multiple handler courses, been just absorbing as much as I can from everybody I was meeting from the avalanche side, the military side, from the FEMA side. So the wilderness side, everybody, um, one of the ladies I work with here is actually, uh, she does bed bug detection. And like you said, just, you know, like one of the best dog trainers I've ever met and just for bed bugs. And it's the same thing. It's scent detection scent, and, scent, yep. and just to get to elevate that drive. So I was just learning all this stuff. And uh, so I spent about three months getting Callie ready to skydive. Um, I, I kind of set a time on the schedule. Like if, if I feel good, this is where I want to get her first jump. So um, first I took away all her niceties, like her beds and her, her uh, 
mats and everything and i just had her jump bag for her mm. she immediately immediately recognized that like, like that's where i'm gonna lay it down so she just started making that a very comfortable spot for herself mm-hmm. i'd uh after about a month of her just sleeping in that and just spending time in that um i started zipping her up in it and obviously just feeding her hot dogs uh rewarding her whenever she was in it just making it super comfortable and then um we started zipping her up and then kind of like jumping on the up and down a little bit, uh, eventually getting to suspending her in a, in the bag, jumping off of a bench, just kind of escalating that. So during all that, we're also training her to be ready to her goggle or use her goggles, use her ear protection, um, just kind of developing this. Uh, by the time we got on the bird to jump, she'd already been flying for over 100 hours. Wow. So she had yeah. plenty of time on the aircraft. So she's familiar with the noises, the vibrations, everything. Uh, we'd gone to other jump trips and watched everybody else jump out of helicopter or out of airplanes together. We just sit on the plane watching. Eventually she was in the bag watching other people jump out on the drop zone, watching people land. So just, and then playing out on the drop zone, play on the air, aircraft. So just kind of making everything normal for her. And then uh, it was the day before we jumped. Um, I just, I stood up while the other, t- everybody else was falling out of the ramp. And I walked to the edge of the ramp. She was hooked up to me. I had my parachute on, walked to the edge of the ramp and she just watched everybody else fall out into the, into the, uh, in the abyss pretty much. And then I felt her kind of tense up and she like looked back into the, in the uh, aircraft. And I could tell she recognized that there was nobody else and we're the, we're the next to go. And uh, so it would have been a good time to jump, but I actually went back and sat back down and uh, just kind of let her just kind of process everything. And then uh, we landed, picked everybody else back up took off and then we jumped and um i i can still feel her like tense up before we jump as soon as we obviously under free fall i can't really feel much right. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just, but, but um as soon as we up and open up canopy she's looking around super chill kind of just hanging out um uh it's a really peaceful time for us so i'm just steering the canopy and then when we land um i'll take a knee and zip the bag and then I give her a verbal release. So she's just kind of hanging out in there, you know, just looking, mm-hmm. waiting, give her a verbal release. And she just jumps out and does quick zoomies. I get her a reward. She kind of gets some tug of war in while I'm mm-hmm. trying to, I, I'm trying to pack a shoe and tug of war with my dog at the same time. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yes. Uh, and then we put that away. She kind of um, rolls around a little bit and then she gets back at my side and we're ready to work. So, uh, it was kind of, like I said, that was about a year into my time with Callie that we did that. And that was, to me, I was like, you know what? I think I'm getting this. I obviously don't know everything or much at all, but that's where I was like, I, I kind of understand how a dog's brain works on creating this, this drive and mm-hmm. rewarding and conditioning and all that stuff. So do you um, think the helo casting stepping out into the abyss of that helped with this doing, having done it prior? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we actually uh, we actually jumped before we did in, oh, any shit. type of helo cast oh, okay. in the ocean. Yeah, wow, yeah, <laughs> deep end. So, yeah. yeah, so we had uh, we had done a lot of helicopter stuff and hoisting and fast roping, and then um, we jumped and then we went out to California. Oh, helo cast, yeah, helo casted and then um, did a lot of like the beach, uh, breaching the, yeah. the surf and all that stuff. So yeah. I bet the day that of jump there was no hot dogs. I would not be giving a dog hot dogs. No, the day no there was no hot jump. dogs. Nope. <laughs> no way. No. You funny how many people the guys ask. behind you. Sorry. Yeah. Nope. It's funny how many people ask if she like if she pisses or 
like poops in her bag. No, you know? they, I don't think they just, understand that a dog's gut will lock up, man. Uh, and they, they can go days without eating just from being afraid of things, let alone really oh, just yeah. unsure. So, oh, yeah, they can. Yeah. So what do we what do we see here? We're looking forward in the future uh, yeah. program wise. Where, where are we headed, you think? Yeah. So I have my vision. I probably won't say that just because it's it's so far out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what I what I would like to see happen. But the I think the next steps, of, you know, the five five meter tar- target is. So I'm actually heading out to Alaska here uh, this next in the next little bit. Um, and I'll be out there for a couple months. I'll be attached mm-hmm. to the uh, Alaska Pararescue team out there. And um, they they actually do an alert, a rescue alert out there. So they're picking up anywhere from yeah. seven to tw- 20 people a, a week busy, out yeah. in the wilderness. And so they're busy um, doing these remote rescues. Um, from what I've heard, there's they get a certain amount of missions that they have to deny because there's no known location of the person that is needed to get, be found yeah. or rescued. So what I'm hoping to do for one, I'll be out there providing my pararescue skills, flying with them and um, being able to do the medicine and recovery and all that. But I'm hoping to increase the chances of those people that we don't know location. Um, even if it is, we just get someplace, spend two hours on the ground. Cali can cover 80 acres in under two hours Wow. and searching for somebody so we at least spend two hours on the ground give that person just a little bit of a fighting chance uh, potentially increase their risk or their increase their chance of survival well uh, what people don't understand is she's doing 80 acres you're doing a lot of <laughs> shit yourself so you got to be in shape yeah. um oh yeah uh, i think people forget about that part so are you pretty well known now in the pj community everybody kind of knows the program or you're gonna have to reintroduce every time you go somewhere uh, so, yeah, so I think it's 50, 50 at this point. I think, um, uh, some of the younger dudes and, uh, social media has been big for us. That's one of the reasons I got, I started up Cali's Instagram page mm-hmm. was to get our name out there, kind of validate us in the community. Um, so that people would know for one, it's a great networking tool. I've been able to reach out and be like, Hey, I'm, I'll be in, that's how I met Dustin Wynn. Actually, mm-hmm. it was, he hit, hit me up yeah. through that and like, um, so all these different cool little, uh, networking capabilities, I can, um, talk to people about mm-hmm. what gear and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, it's about 50, 50 of the pararescue community, I think that knows about what Cali provides. So for example, uh, there was just another earthquake in Haiti mm-hmm. just, you know, yeah. last week and, um, had bad timing with the whole Afghanistan thing. Like, yeah. shit happens but yeah Yeah. they had another bad one yeah so um when so there are pararescue men out in haiti right now Mm -hmm. um but it was one of those that we had to after the fact that those guys got sent out we were like hey why wouldn't you send the dog and they're like oh we had a dog so so. it was one of those things so it's still getting out there um and that's i'm hoping to get the word out that this is a capability and then that hopefully the the you know when stuff like this does happen, they know that this is a capability that we can get places and then the, the quality of care that, that, that she provides. Is there anybody in any other part of the uh, DOD that is a uh, rescue? Like any army units, anybody that, that could use a dog like that? Uh, yeah, there, there absolutely is. So um, in the, in the air force, we have CRG. So they're crisis response groups. They actually go places and, um, a lot of them will do, uh, you know, casualty collection and stuff like that. So they're really, um, 
they could have some value in that. In the Army, there's uh, there's plenty of groups too there. I think even um, uh, there's a security forces in the Air Force in, in Georgia that was looking into it too because mm-hmm. they had, they had responded. They were an Air National Guard group. And they had responded to a, a hurricane and they were in charge of um, looking for people as well after that. And they so there's I think for one in the military you never know you could be you could be a, a, I think Marines are the worst but if you're if you're a Marine you end up being a grunt no matter what you were trained to do yeah <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> but but you never know what you're going to be like facing and what what the complex situation is but as far as people that are trained to do this um, that our specialty is that the reaching advanced places difficult austere locations and and then providing recovery and and uh treatment and so i think i tried to just bridge that gap and give us a more advanced search capability well it looks like you're about to get real busy here with this alaska group is that is that the busiest one busiest station to go to it is for stateside yeah so um that's like the uh, bermuda triangle of people up there though too like people just well first of all people go to alaska to disappear mm -hmm. and then some actually do like (laughs) i don't know what the numbers are no it's crazy like people go up there and they're just like, they never hear from them again, like ever. And like, they're like, Oh, I haven't heard from so-and-so in a year. And they're like, well, shit, when was the last time you heard from them? And so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, they get called out a lot and they finally moved that damn bus though. Right. Like the bus that everyone went out to yeah. go see and like, and everybody, and like there was a ton of, and I think the air national like you guys moved that out of there. Yeah. It was probably, I think it was sling loaded out or something like that. What the hell are you talking uh, about? Were, so, so it's a bus. A, uh, yeah. what's it, uh, I don't remember the movie. I'm, I'm I, total I, blank. If it yeah, was I snow, I would, didn't watch it. I can't. No, I, like I hate Fargo no, there's because a, of that. There's like a bus from a movie, and like people live at. I'll look it up. While it's like boy. it's something. So it's like this kid that he he grew up in an affluent family. Mm-hmm. It's a true story, um, and he just denied his inheritance and any any into the wild. Into the wild. There we go. Okay. There I was go. thinking. I was thinking wild hearts for some reason, but yeah, into the wild. So the guy just boogies out from his family, and he just does a transient life across the U.S. And he's like, does different, like, goes to different like climbing areas and just different wilderness spots, and just kind of camps, lives on the land for the most part. Every once in a while, he'll get like a odd job here and there. Eventually, he makes his way up to Alaska, and he lives out in Alaska for a while. He camps in this bus that became very well known because of this, I think. Yeah. Um, and he ended up misidentifying a, a, a plant that he ended up eating and he ended up poisoning himself and dying in that bus. Mm. But um, it was, there's some crazy stuff because he had alter ego that he lived by and all these different things. His family could never find him, but they eventually obviously got word. Um, but yeah. So just, it's uh, there's a crazy like there's actual a video of you guys airlifting this thing out and it's being airlifted by a big ass helicopter that doesn't even have wheels on it. It's got, of course, this is Alaska. So it's got fucking <laughs> sleds. It's got or yeah. Yeah. But they it's 25 miles off the road, off the parks highway. and like it's out in the middle of freaking nowhere and people would just like show up in their flip-flops and like their (laughs) Nalgene water bottle and they're like oh i'm gonna walk 25 miles one direction no food or anything else and the amount of like rescue calls from that were i I mean insane like i mean so they they the air national guard i guess did as a training exercise so they didn't have that there was no cost to the public or whatever else i just found an article i was a crazy like there obviously there's 
like it's a video of them flying the bus. I don't know what to do with it, but yeah. So anyway, people go to Alaska and they never hear from them again. Well, if you listen <laughs> to people the talk, they may have been carried away by the mosquitoes because I heard they're the worst <laughs> anywhere in the United States. The mosquitoes. I hear they're terrible in Alaska yeah. by a fucking bear too. That's, yeah, no, that's in my packing that. list. Is on my packing list to go up there is mosquito nets and tons of bugs. Yeah, bug, bug spray. spray. Like actual. All right. Yeah, yeah. you. They'll, nothing will happen to you with all that shit. That. So yeah. um, I have one one more thing and then a, a question and then we'll wrap up. Um, the one thing I have is you should get some of the boys and come up to the fun house because I completed the uh, simulation shoot house. So oh, cool. it's got 10 rooms so they can come up and run some reps and then you can hide. It's 40,000 square foot. You know, you can see you can yeah. hide a lot of shit in there. People um, I think the search and rescue folks are going to really use it a lot. This, um, the, you know, the FEMA task force guys and girls are going to yeah. come up this winter. Um, cause remember it's heated with four bathrooms. So that's everybody kind of likes that part. Um, yeah, no, that'd, be, gotta... that'd be really cool. Cause, uh, to be able to apply our, our CQB stuff mm -hmm. and actually have, cause I, I'm still kind of winging it at this point. Yeah. So to have somebody like you, that would be able to set up an actual legit scenario mm -hmm. for us that, in, yeah. that kind of includes all that. I think that'd be pretty cool. So. Yeah, and there's so much fuckery you can do in there. Plus, there's no windows, so at nine o'clock in the morning, it's pitch black. If you turn the lights out, so you can go nods. There's, there's a nice. lot, a okay. lot of stuff. And the other question is, so if we if we go to a training, say me, you, and Ted go to a training seminar, we're hanging out at night, and and Ted and I get hammered the next morning, and we have to train. Can you? How fast can you throw a bag in me and get me back up? Uh, okay that's where so, this is going yeah. I was like, so uh, fuck are you? <laughs> our gold <laughs> our gold standard is we should be able to get an iv in six minutes that's like uh exit from paraski university rpju that's our our gold standard six minutes so and that's generally taking in into account um you know the scenario and everything so it depends on how much you're harassing me as i'm doing it i was but gonna I'd say, say no, how come i'm not you know, no yeah i would not i'd be like just <laughs> i'm not please i feel like shit so yeah, probably I'd say in less than probably four, nice. four to six minutes. Good to know. Yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and so, put that in my good, phone notes. Good to know. Good to know. Under six minutes, full recovery. <laughs> I'm hangover well, you. The recovery <laughs> might take a little bit more time. Right. Yeah. Uh, the first, the very first HRD in San Antonio, one of our decoys got hammered, and they had two bags in him on nice. the second day. And Hagner, everyone knows it was Hagner. Well, yeah. I mean. <laughs> So he had one in each. Love you, Sean. There's a hilarious, yeah, there's a hilarious picture out there of him like this with fucking and, and it wasn't even a medic. It, it was a fucking dog guy. Yeah, it was, a oh, nice. it was like a vet. It was yeah. And there he's like, well, I mean, you know, we works with dogs, and Sean's like, I'll be fine. We're like, okay, I mean, <laughs> sure, hook him up. I'm like, hey, we were out with that happened. dude last night. How do you know he's not still drunk? He's over yeah. there like putting the bag in like that. Yeah, so, that's part of our that's part of our training. We got to be able to do it. And, any circumstances so. so once again remind everybody uh social media wise where they can follow you where they can see all this pretty cool stuff with you and callie yeah so uh, i i kind of keep track of her training and capabilities all on at sarpup so s-a-r underscore p-u-p on instagram i think i do have like a linked web page on facebook that kind of just i do everything on instagram i think it just kind of populates over there um that's kind of it and then um yeah, uh, definitely always looking for training opportunities and any of that stuff. So any, I, I don't know how to validate you guys, but any like legit people hit me up. <laughs> yeah. If you're not legit, if you're not legit, don't hit me up. But He does not have an OnlyFans. <laughs> so ladies, yeah. chill out. I didn't, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll just say I, I won't have an OnlyFans after uh, after they change it. Yeah, they change it up, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's we have a YouTube channel. I was like, I started a podcast, and so nobody has to see me. But now here I am. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Eric, where are you? Uh, Van S K nine on Instagram. For what we talk about in here, that's probably the best place to go. Um, the rest is all mostly pets, but the Van S K nine on Instagram. Uh, is where you'll see most of the stuff. And what about you, Ted? Uh, Torchlight K9, letter K number nine. And then my personal is Ted underscore Summers. And of course, we have the working dog, working underscore dog underscore radio for the podcast. And then uh, HRD, H- yeah, we'll do Patreon too. So HRD Police K9 on Facebook or on Instagram, Facebook also. And then, uh, yeah, we got the Patreon account. Um, so we have some uh, another things going on for that here coming up too. Um, there was some talk of some new patches and I think a new t-shirt design or something. Oh, so, um, and then I've got the puppy thing and you're doing the tone avoidance and tone. Uh, and I've got the, yep. and I've got three of these little shithead pointer puppies. Working pointer puppies are ridiculous. Like they're, they're still working dogs and they're assholes and they're not, fun to be around they don't bite me which is pretty rad give them time but oh god they're killing me i've been uh, bit by yeah, everyone so, I ever had <laughs> they're they're uh well we'll see <laughs> so i have been raising them like a malinois so well who knows like i'm making them play tug and like you know i'm having my interns like do proper gripping techniques with the fucking <laughs> pointer so i'm like no no make sure it's at the back all the way at the back i'm like you know and i told my new kid jacob i'm like if you fuck this one up it's not that big of a deal when we get the new puppies like the puppy puppies the malinois puppies like you can't you can't mess these up so he's like oh man okay so but yeah they're gonna do anyway we're gonna post all that stuff too um i've got like fucking three hours of video i gotta cut down to like 13 minutes so uh yeah uh, Rudy, man, this was a uh, this was a good episode. I knew when um, I, Jake and I had talked about this, and I texted you when I was in Montana at HRD, and I was like, "Yeah, this would be a good episode." So I'm I'm glad you came on, and you know, I'm the it's a it's a it's a cool program, and it's kind of like you said, it's like an aha moment, and like I really hope that uh, the program continues to move forward, and I think that you know once you guys get like all the way done and certified, and you start having some successes, and they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah." We're, they're going to be just like the fucking SWAT guys and be like, Hey, where's the dog? And yeah. <laughs> they're going to be like, we don't know the rats and the dog. So yeah, man. But yeah, again, thanks for coming on. It's been great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I've, I enjoy your guys show. And Thank so you. it was an honor for me to be on here. So yeah. Appreciate thanks it. A lot, man. All right, guys, we'll yeah. see you on the next one. Thanks guys. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.